At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are solid as the market continues with uh, the best week in about seven months, best election week in decades. We're watching COVID levels, a Fed decision, jobless claims. Pretty busy morning of Q3 earnings as well, Jim, but still a lot is going to pivot on Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. Yeah, look, I, I was going over GM's quarter, which was a really good quarter, okay, and going over Bristol-Myers quarter, and I really liked it, and I thought some good things about Hologic. And then I said, what am I kidding, kidding myself? There's a couple people in some room in Pennsylvania. I don't know who they are. I don't even know if they're working yet. Maybe they're not up yet. Maybe they're working nine to five. I don't know. Uh, who are going to determine what matters the most. I can put a price earnings multiple in Bristol-Myers better than almost anybody in the world, except for if you tell me that uh, there's a big sweep or something that's going to happen. David, you know that when you deal with a lot of the companies that we're looking at, the price earnings multiple is going to be decided by the, it, the notch up or down by the presidential election. Right. Well, I think, though, that you don't think that over the last two, well, yesterday's trading session and potentially what we're going to see today, that the market is already making a decision in terms of who it thinks the president is going to be and what the composition of the Senate's going to be? Yes, it is. But I also I mean, think you're that, talking about those workers in those rooms as though they're making the decision. The decisions but, have been made. They're simply un, 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 doing an envelope, <laughs> taking a ballot out but, and putting it in a pile so it can be put in a scanner, a ballot that obviously was postmarked prior to no, election day, just to make it right clear, now. Jim. They're more important than you right now when, I, when I'm oh, thinking about Bristol-Myers. Yeah. 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 Carl, actually, on that note, back to you. <laughs> yeah, two full days, guys, uh, since the polls first opened and the contest uh, does remain unsettled as the vote counting continues. The race now appears to hinge on a shrinking number of states at this hour, uh, uncalled by NBC, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. Take a look at Pennsylvania. A new batch of counts out of Philly County is expected essentially at any moment. In Georgia, still too close to call. The president held a commanding lead on election night. That gap now stands at just over 18,000 votes. In Arizona, it is the president closing the gap, but uh, former Vice President Biden still clings to 68,000 vote lead. NBC says it's still too close to call. In terms of the Electoral College, Here's where things stand. According to NBC, Biden 253, Trump 214. Remember, it takes 270 to win the White House. And Vice President Biden did sound optimistic last night. Now, after a long night of counting, it's clear that we're winning enough states to reach 270 electoral votes needed to win the presidency. I'm not here to declare that we've won. But I am here to report, when the count is finished, we believe we will be the winners. All right, Jim. So we're going to wait on Maricopa County and Philly and Atlanta. A lot of those absentee 
uh, ballots still coming and being counted. Uh, but uh, to what degree does the market take into account new challenges from the Trump campaign, the likes of which we're seeing even as we speak? Well, I, I think that people don't mind anything that involves a court. It, it, there are there's an undercurrent. I think it, you go through Manhattan. I did last night where you just want to own Louisiana Pacific because there's so much plywood. But be careful. They have other businesses that aren't doing as well. And, and I look at it. And I just say, I don't want insurrection. I don't want craziness. I don't want military. And it's, these these are actually in the minds of a lot of people. Now, I'm sure that there are other people who are saying that's nuts. It, it, it's it's. What are you worried about? But I think as long as it's just going to courts, the president complaining to a court, a judge saying that it's right or wrong. David, I got to tell you, I feel like that's democracy, sloppy democracy in action. I'll take it versus the right. Opposite. But you don't want to make baseless claims based on absolutely nothing. It's one thing to say you want to recount, as will be the case in Wisconsin, and is completely uh, allowed, expected in some ways when a vote is, what, 20,000, I right. think, is what the Biden uh, uh, margin of victory was there. It's another thing to make baseless claims about things and, and but we have judges videos who, on Twitter that are completely made up and but, all sorts of different things like that, Jim. Again, the, to your point, it, it, it may end up in the courts, but that isn't necessarily a great thing. No, but we have a judiciary that's not made up of a bunch of hacks. They actually, for the most part, are want to follow the law. Right. I have found respect for the so far. The few the few adjudications I've seen are. Are you crazy? That's not a good case. I mean, in other words, they're they're not going to prolong it. Right. I don't see, Carl, I actually think we're out of this. I, I am actually betting that we're out of this tomorrow. By tomorrow? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, I really we'll find do. out. I mean, uh, yeah, we'll see with how much progress we get in the count today. Uh, so the market, in your view, when the president said, to David's point yesterday, we have claimed for electoral vote purposes the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I mean, market didn't even blanch. Well, I think the market is... Market's looking at a couple of things. One is it's looking at, at a government that will have even maybe have be less erratic, uh, and, and but will get us a stimulus plan. You have to get past the election. Uh, we need to get past this thing so bad that, re, that we're even accepting that it's that it's passed in with you know with uh, quotation marks. We're just not we we feel there's closure. And I know the president might want to do this and that, and we might want to not have it be down to five votes or something in, in uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. But, David, I feel that there's cloture coming, and that's part of the rally. Right. No, I get it. And, uh, and again, it goes back to the idea that, the, that investors seem to believe we're going to have divided government. We're going right. to have a set of control by the Republicans. We're going to have a Democratic president. And that is the best thing for the markets. And Carl, history shows, in fact, it often is. The best right. things in terms of the performance for the S&P. And by the way, yes, the president, we know his business career. We followed him closely through years. He ends up in the courts on pretty much everything. Yes. That's kind of his go-to. Right. And so it's not unexpected. Many people have been anticipating it, which is why they have an army of lawyers on both sides ready to potentially fight this out if it comes to that. But, Carl, if, in fact, we get uh, a Georgia account that goes towards Biden, uh, if we get Pennsylvania, as many expect it may, as you start to see the heavier uh, concentrations of Democratic votes come in uh, from the uh, mailed-in ballots. Uh, you know, it may be harder to make any sort of a case, one would expect, if Biden is able to pad that potential lead well past 270 electoral votes. But, you know, Carl, one of the things that I talked talk to a lot of people in the last 48 hours about what's going on, a lot of very big money managers, but also a lot of people who are uh, vociferous in their views on the two candidates. And I think it's an interesting mix that you could have such hatred on both sides and they produce nirvana for the stock market. 
And I think that's really hard for people to get their heads around. Like, how could you have this vicious witch's brew get together and produce unbelievable results? And the answer is, is that because we hate the government. We, we, we want nothing to do with the government. This government sounds like it's going to be even more ineffectual, less, less mercurial. Uh, and it, it'll throw money at people because we have a lot of people unemployed and it all comes back to COVID. So we're now just going to be fighting COVID with money, uh, with a uh, with stimulus, uh, with medical, with medicine. And that's the next thing we look forward to. So people want to be long because the government's not going to be intrusive. And they want to be long because the stimulus is coming. And they want to be long because we're going to solve COVID. I think it's a really excellent point, Jim. I, I wonder what you make of the market. I mean, a week ago, we were all talking about the market being long on a blue wave stimulus uh, reflationary trade. We've pivoted away from that so hard, so fast. Is it fair to say that the market is willing to trade in less stimulus probably on a dollar value for a more stable tax and regulatory environment on the long term? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, look, lower everyone wants lower if you want higher taxes. I mean, Leon Koopman talked about the notion of, of giving money. And that's different from demanding higher taxes for yourself. I mean, there was an undercurrent. Obviously, no one, no one wants to pay more in taxes. We pay a lot in this country, and rich pay more, uh, you know, arguably, but not as much as their fair share. But what, what came down was that, that the repudiation of what was supposed to happen last week happened so quickly, I can't believe it. David, I, I, who's being paid to make these projections that are so wrong? <laughs> Can we bring them on? In terms of the polling? Like, yeah, who did with the blue wave? There's clearly an, an issue. Maybe there were people, not, David. There were not people. recognizing the, the GOP enough somehow. or I, Yeah, there's clearly an issue in the data science there. But how about how and, many investors went the wrong way? Uh, Carl, these moves are because of positioning. These moves are, people right. who are, are, are from people who say, oh, my, I am so on the wrong side of Eli Lilly. I can't believe well, it. Don't forget, Jim, there is just an, you know, an animal spirit side. You do have a lot of hedge fund managers, for example, who, as we pointed out through the years, are very highly compensated, if you didn't know, who are feeling very good right now because maybe they wanted a Biden presidency. In fact, I know quite a few who voted for Biden, but right. were petrified of higher taxes. Right. Thought they were coming. We're not happy about it. Now they wake up and they say, oh, look at this. I don't I, I get Biden. Potentially, <laughs> but I don't have higher taxes. I'm feeling great. I'm going to buy some stocks. I'm going to buy some stocks. <laughs> and then you have, look, then you have real things happening, like away from the sideshow or, uh, of, of politics. Qualcomm reports last night. And Qualcomm's quarter is a celebration of everything that we've been talking about that got obliterated by the election, which is 5G. And anybody, I mean, I was trying to call up the election results list. I don't know, my, uh, I had Akamai on, and I had to wait like, I had to wait like seven seconds. No! People find that if you're going to be going to streaming, they want it to be just like instant on TV. Well, that's Steve Malkoff. We have Steve Malkoff coming on? Uh, well, yeah, you're not going to be on the what show time? at that point in time. What time, but, what time are you uh, on? I will be interviewing him. John Fort will join me as well. We're going to talk to Mr. Malkoff after what, as you pointed out, was a very strong quarter. Why for the didn't you company. give me a jingle? I would have loved to have been on that interview. Up. Yeah, well, I'm waiting for you to invite me on Mad when you have that parade of CEOs that I've interviewed through the years. <laughs> and I, I have to when that invitation I have comes, to you let me know. Do you know how hard to steal Sarah's and yours at the same time? I mean, I mean, I'll get. <laughs> Give me a chance here. The, the Qualcomm was amazing, and Steve will be understated, as opposed to when he comes on my show and he brings it. And, uh, but the quarter, <laughs> quarter was unbelievable. Carl, the biggest issue right now in tech is, is supply cannot be met. There's just not enough supply. You can't meet the, the demand is yeah, too strong. I, I, the, 
these executives must love uh, us fighting over them. But we actually can't wait to hear what Steve has to say, Jim, um, which is uh, a comment about uh, 5G, right? And and the build out, by the way, it's upgrade of uh, Verizon today over at JPM. It's talking about wireless. It's right. It's about IoT yep. and Internet of Things. It's about you know, even automotive, where, of course, they wanted the NXPI deal for right. that, Jim. I thought that was good. They're still moving into that. And to Carl's point on Verizon, though, let's not forget the, you know, we're still worried about that price war that may or may not be taking place right. amongst the big pro, uh, 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 telecom providers, the wireless companies, the three, three big ones, uh, which we'll keep an eye on. But Qualcomm is a beneficiary across the board in terms of just the growth overall worldwide, by the way. Clean quarter. Carl, remember, they do a lot of business in China, too. A lot. Korea. Hey, about automotive, Dave, was really good yeah. for them. Yeah. Automotive's coming back. GM, I'm a believer, Carl. I'm a believer. Oh, man. Yeah, we got to get to the blowout at, uh, at GM. What a story there, guys. Uh, in the meantime, though, our eyes are peeled on so many of these uh, developing states. Georgia, as we said earlier, still too close to call with the president holding a slight lead over Biden. Our Contessa Brewer is in Alma today. Morning, Contessa. Hi there, Carl. Yeah, in these rural counties... The vote is all accounted for. In Bacon County, where I am now, 86% of the 4,000 or so residents voted for Trump. So it was a clear win for him in this county. But in those bigger metro areas, Biden leads and outstanding absentee ballots are still being counted. I want to show you a live shot in Fulton County, where right now you can see the workers processing the ballots. Uh, This is home to Atlanta. And the election board had announced this morning, just before 6 a.m., that it had 7,500 more ballots to count. So likely at this point, we're getting close. And then the margins are razor thin. Let's show you Fulton County, Georgia, and how close the margins are as they, well, it's not close in in this particular county. Biden, as you can see, clearly leading with more than 72% of the vote that's been counted. Another metropolitan county, Chatham County, this is home to Savannah, where also that vote is coming in. Workers are slogging through these absentee ballots. And in Chatham County, again, Biden holding the lead, 57, almost 58 percent to Trump's 41 percent. But here's the thing. The Trump campaign and Georgia Republicans have filed a lawsuit claiming in Chatham County they're counting ballots that were received after Georgia's deadline. A poll observer claims he saw an election worker inappropriately processing ballots. Now, the election supervisor was quoted in local media saying the observer doesn't know what he's talking about, that every ballot is tracked when it comes in and as it's processed. 16 electoral votes at stake. Trump won these in 2016 by more than 6%. The gap very, very stark among racial lines. Blacks and Hispanics overwhelmingly voted for Clinton. The majority of white people in this state voted for Trump. Now, clearly, this Republican advantage has slipped among concerns about racial justice, the economy, and coronavirus. We wait on Fulton County. We expect those results at any point this morning. Carl? Uh, Contessa, uh, watching that state so closely along with that small handful of others. We'll come back to you later. Contessa Brewer in Alma, Georgia. We'll take a break here. We will get to the earnings picture, as Jim said. GM, Regeneron. We'll touch on Qualcomm again. Uh, plenty of news there. Fed presser. What does Powell say later on today? Futures are good as the S&P is building on a 5% gain for the week so far best since April. Don't go anywhere. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. 
Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back. A little less than three minutes before we get started with the trading on this Thursday. You know, I pay attention during the mad dash, and that's why I don't think you've ever done Lindy. No, I haven't. I've had them on uh, Mad Money. David, there have been some mergers that have been allowed by governments that I think you and I would say are, uh, let's say, ill-advised. There's a company, Praxair, and it was able to merge with Lindy, and now it's the world's largest industrial gas company. And, David, there's not a lot of competition anymore. There's Air, Air Liquide. You know, they let them all get together. Yep. Sure enough, Lindy reported just a blowout number last night. I mean, one of the best blowouts of the year. And the reason I like is yesterday, the other day, when I was working with Carl on um, what was elect- one of the election nights that we've had, um, <laughs> and Carl turned to me and said, hydrogen power. Well, you know what? Yeah. Lindy is behind hydrogen power. They are the ones who are going to get... No, I look. I like plug power. That's that's great. Great spec. How are they behind it, Jim? What do you? They've mean? decided that green green hydrogen is the future. Okay. And they're going to make it everywhere. They're pro- uh, providing it in co- in California, in China. They're doing it. Green hydrogen is what is a do- doable f- uh, fuel. Now, Elon Musk thinks it's a fuel for fools. He doesn't right. like it because right. he likes lithium batteries, lithium ion batteries. This uses our substantial natural gas hoard in this country. Turns it, takes the green part, right? no pollution. It is the solution behind so many different companies that want to be carbon neutral. It's also a center of Nikola's uh, business plan. Yeah, but I mean... And the hydrogen stations. Would Lindy be involved in something like that? Oh, yeah, Lindy's very involved. They're they're the ones putting up stations. Lindy wants... This is Lindy's mission. And, you know, this guy, Steve Angel, I had him on. Look, he's an industrial gas guy, but he recognizes that hydrogen in China, David... That's how they're going to handle the buses. The buses are all going to be driven by high, clean, clean hydrogen fuel. So watch this term. Keep following it. Lindy's behind it. It's a $125 billion company that nobody talks about, and they can change carbon neutral for a lot of industrial companies. Like Amazon needs them very badly uh, for forklifts, Walmart for sure. forklifts. But they're going to do long-haul trucking, and that's the next big thing. And Lindy is the way to, safe way to play it. Good yield, good balance sheet. Mark my words, Lindy is going to be our savior when it comes to the hydrogen power situation. All right. I will mark those words. Many companies have littered that failed. Lindy will succeed. Wow. Uh, It's a seat change, guys. There's a look at the opening bell uh, and another strong open as we've seen the last couple of days. Jim, before uh, we lose our chance... I did want to ask you about expectations for Powell today. I mean, they aren't they aren't great by magnitude given other relative to other Fed days. But if stimulus is less than it would have been under a blue wave, does the Fed have to carry more water? I think if the Fed has to do a little more pleading, even and he's such a good man, Jay Powell. But I think he he knows that w- this cold weather is bringing a, an evil wave of, of covid. Yeah. Uh, and. I think if you just go to different city streets, I've had in the last few weeks, as it gets colder, there's less economic activity. And I think that all you have to have is your eyes open. You know, you can walk down Fifth Avenue, 9 to 10, not even get hit by a car. Uh, It's not quite that bad. In front of Trump Tower, you can't walk. because No, that's because there's there's an armed guard. Yeah, they put it all uh, off. But, Carl, I, I think that he sees for what it is, that there is this group of people who are not going to, 
We're a service economy, and a huge chunk of our service is hospitality. And hospitality is going to end if it stays this cold. Well, uh, Jim and Carl, it's worth going over the numbers because, I mean, COVID has obviously taken a backseat to us watching the election returns. But uh, we're reaccelerating. I mean, the U.S., we had 109,000 cases, I believe. Um, our average, our five-day average right now uh, in the U.S. is 95,000, almost 96,000 yeah. cases a day. Um, hospitalizations are at a new high only in the Midwest, thankfully, but not, that's not great. Uh, and worldwide, we're reaccelerating. France, Spain, yeah. U.K., Italy, Germany, and Russia are all reaccelerating. Of course, the U.S. far above any of them in terms of actual numbers, 109,000. France next at 41,000 new cases yesterday. Um, but, Jim, to your point, yeah. that's not necessarily uh, that well. It's not a good thing, period. No, and people are scared. People are scared to go out. And uh, there is nothing. You know, when you have a service economy that's based on people going to places and doing things, uh, this is a part of the economy that Jay Powell really knows. And he knows that those are small businesses and they're going to get hurt. And there was no deal between Secretary Mnuchin and Speaker Pelosi. And you would think just if they had a heart, they could get together and find something just to target the people who have to be thrown out of work. Then it, it, come December, it's too cold. That whole jury-rigged thing that a lot of us did to try to have outdoor dining. Hey, that was great. But, Carl, it's, it's, it's chimerical. It's over. Yeah. Yeah, Lay very difficult off. to do, especially once once we get into the, the 40s. And speaking of cold weather, Jim, uh, Reuters has a, p- a piece out this morning looking at hospitalizations. Uh, North Dakota, I wonder what you guys guess the number of ICU beds available in the state of North Dakota. Six. Oh, well, that's so, great. Uh, very, very treacherous. I mean, you do not want to get in a serious accident of any kind because uh, at least in the Dakotas, uh, ICU capacity is strained. Well, you know, Carl, I think that what's going to happen, I, those of us who follow fantasy football uh, or regular football know that there's just so many players testing positive now. Uh, it, it's incredible. I mean, you know, to the, just now the Texans closed their facility. Uh, obviously, the Niners have a lot of problems. The, the COVID list is growing, and I'm not saying they're ignoring it at all, Carl, but with, if you have a weekend that is closed, shut down because of COVID and the NFL – I think when people realize, wow, we're up against a much more powerful opponent than we ever thought. Uh, Jim Axios has a good piece out today about uh, McConnell, arguing that uh, if he keeps the majority, he will uh, force Biden to keep his cabinet choices centrist, uh, looking at names like Brainerd at Treasury. Uh, Of course, the response from the left today is that the president did a lot with acting secretaries. But I wonder if that, again, is constructive for the market long term. Oh, see, all that says, look, you don't have to check your... Can you imagine not having to check your tweet file in the morning to see how your stocks are going to do? I mean, I get, I mean, it's like, you know, the president tweets like crazy. I'm up all night. He, he, he does, too. I mean, he, you just never know. I mean, he, you never know what is going to happen. And what you're going you're gonna to replace that with is so boring. It's good. Washington's going to be so boring. It, it, just... I mean, it's going to be, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the most exciting thing that will happen is they'll come up with finally a name for the Washington team. They are going to be so <laughs> yeah. not a part of our existence. It's joyous. We'll look at earnings per share. We'll look at how our companies are doing. We won't have to worry if they can straddle the universe and not be called into by Washington and be made fun of. That's over. No more show trials. It is. And I said this to someone in government who was not that happy with what I said. It is nirvana for the stock market. 
It may well be. I think, Jim, the days of, of individual company stocks reacting to presidential tweets, in this case, of course, Trump tweets, uh, was over fairly been- early. But to your point, when we would get China, things on China, China, China trade, I've had it, it with the, Huawei. It would well, have you know, a broader impact yeah, on the market. You, know, and, you ever talk to any companies in the, in the cell phone industry? When he said he had it with Huawei, Huawei was their, Huawei was everybody's biggest customer. Listen, I so everybody slapped about Qualcomm today. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, very important customer. And he yeah. just woke up and he decided he didn't like Huawei. Well, how about the other guys? Well, the other guys are okay. I mean, there's. I keep calling it mercurial. Carl, we're going to lose the mercurial aspect. Now, I, I'm much tougher on China than the president. I, I didn't understand why he singled out Huawei. Huawei is a worldwide actor, admittedly. But the, the rest of the companies were able to use as many U.S. components. It's almost as if what the president did was say, I'm letting the other Chinese companies catch up to Huawei. David, you know that was his plan. Yes. Uh, he well, hobbled listen, Huawei so the other companies would catch up. And it's something we're going to talk to Steve Malikoff about. The, this administration has been very focused on a nationwide 5G strategy, viewing it as in- integral to our national defense. Remember Qualcomm's ability to stay an independent company when Broadcom was prevented from moving forward right. with a hostile, so-called hostile right. bid for them. Uh, it has figured prominently into a lot of things, uh, you know, not to mention the FCC, not to mention uh, Dish and their opportunity to potentially present a nationwide wireless uh, 5G network. So it's very important, and it has been taken as very important. Your former partner, Larry Kudlow, has been very involved in this stuff, Jim, too. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, Larry, the, Larry, by the way, is... I think he's going to be vindicated on some of the things he's thinking about, about employment. Yeah. It's not bad. It's just that, remember, it's just, think about Danny Meyer. All you have to do is think about Danny Meyer. He was the great restaurateur in New York. Because, Carl, Danny Meyer represents the growth industries in our country, right? I mean, just unbelievable food, great time, really just uh, magical nights after a hard day's work. And that's what we do. Yeah. Carl, we're, we're great at that. I was in Le Bernardin with your uh, next to your friend Scott Barchet. Oh my God! Why do you keep mentioning his name on television? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Because he wants more clients. Uh, he, does, he has plenty of clients. Let's move on. Well, no, I'm saying I looked. I, I asked that. How's the air? How's the ventilation? And Eric, this is a good spot for ventilation. It's a, it's the only restaurant I'll go to. That's it. I well, wouldn't even go to my restaurant. Got the added advantage of being the best restaurant in uh, maybe in the country. So there I you didn't go, see you. There's a there's a table the that David has, Carl, at the oh, best will you restaurant. Stop it. That is completely false. It is. Oh my so, god. But every, you know what, I hear, Carl? I hear people say Carl, false things um, all the time. You guys, to, yeah. Let's move on to earnings this morning because we haven't actually uh, gotten I'll to quite a few you. of them. Wait. Okay. <laughs> I'll rescue you really quick. Here's let's let's look at Microsoft really quick, Jim. Oppy goes to outperform 260 on cloud. Uh, this would take you back to October 15th. Yeah, well, the clowns after look. I was on that conference call and then talked with a lot of people on Microsoft after, and we were all like, "This was the best." We we're clapping. I sent a note to them. Fantastic quarter. And then I wake up, the stock's down eight, and I'm like, "I'm saying down eight. What was the forecast? No, the forecast was exactly what we expected it to be. Last week was some sort of nuclear bomb against these stocks. Now everyone is, this is the same exact call, and now we're reacting positively to it. There was a a shroud of gloom last week, David, that just just drove every, Microsoft was perfect. The forecast was perfect. They were shocked. They thought the stock would be up big. I know, but you pointed it out. The multiple started to creep up there. Well. David, what are you going to get in treasuries? Well-deserved. I mean, that comes back to the big story of the markets, which is, you know, when yields are where they are, you're willing to pay up for these stocks. This is a storehold of value. Right. 
right? You agree with that? Uh, Bitcoin, well, Microsoft, market, store holds a value. The market agrees with it, up 41%. Guys, a couple of other things to get to this morning. Baba, let's start there, and then I want to get to something that's interesting as well involving Bristol-Myers. Alibaba reported numbers, and they're not being overly well-received by the market. They had the conference call this morning. There was some concern about iPhone. You know, that's some, they're important there in terms of uh, their Taobao, uh, uh, and there were some delays, and so that may have contributed to it. They did have a 30% increase year over year in revenues. Annual active customers on their China retail marketplace was 757 million. That was an increase of 15 million from the 12-month period. Um, but we've also seen the weakness in the stock in part because of that extraordinary news we got earlier in this week that the Ant Financial IPO has been shelved. Uh, that the Shanghai Stock Exchange told them no that the regulators are looking at Ant's business. Why is that important to Baba? Because they own 33% of Ant Financial. Uh, and so that has weighed on the shares. But this is earnings related. We'll keep a closer eye on it um, and give you more as we get it. Jim, I wanted to come back to an- another uh, stock that is just getting absolutely crushed this morning. It is a so-called contingent or CVR. It's a contingent oh, the value. You right. Correct. Uh, it was issued in conjunction with Bristol-Myers' uh, purchase of Celgene. And it involved... Uh, uh, the company reaching certain end targets for key drugs, one of them being a drug called Lisacel, uh, which um, treats uh, B-cell lymphomas. Uh, it has had uh, what is, appears to be very strong potential trials. But they've been waiting for the FDA to actually inspect their manufacturing facilities and they have a so-called PDUFA date of November 15th. This is a key part of this. In other words, as part of the CVR being money good, you had to get to this November 15th date. Well, we all know November 15th is very close. Let me read to you from the conference call. Lisa Cell, as you mentioned earlier, we've disclosed in the past, both our plants in Washington as well as one need to be inspected. They've been able to inspect our plants in Washington at this time, but have not scheduled any inspection of the second plant And we're doing what we can to ensure with the COVID pandemic and because of travel restrictions, we have to obviously uh, act on the desires to where they go and when they go. What does that all mean? It means, Jim, they're not getting to inspect the plants, the FDA, because of COVID restrictions and and the inability to travel to a certain extent. And that is putting it at risk. Have we shown the stock, which is down 77 percent? I think we have. Okay. These drugs are really important. And a lot of people hope... That down 80 percent. Now, Jim, it doesn't mean that the drug itself won't eventually be a success. But what it does mean is Bristol Myers is not going to be on the hook for paying off on the CVR. Right. I mean, Bristol Myers had a good quarter. Now, you look at it and say, well, good quarter. Why is it down? Well, I mean, the stock the stock just jumped five bucks. That's Bristol Myers stock. Yeah, the CVR is well. The CVRs are down huge. Yeah, it's down 80 percent. I don't know. Do we have it, guys? Maybe I don't know if we showed it. I thought we had it in the system. That might be a good spec, David. I don't know. Oh, you did. Okay, they just. But I, I just I warned people that it's not that Bristol Myers had a bad quarter. They, they actually had a, a slightly better than in line, uh, right. and the drugs are doing well. But the stock has, like many drug stocks, after yesterday had a move, like Eli Lilly, uh, which people didn't like the quarter, and they had a move that made up all of the decline. I mean, it, the, yesterday's actions in healthcare were insane, and I, I'd never say anything like it because most of the companies had nothing happen, nothing happened to them at all. Yeah. Uh, now, we're general on Porter. There's a look, quarter. by the way, again, at the contingent value, oh, man, right, based on the success of this drug, meeting certain uh, milestones by certain dates. And November 15th, the key one, when you can't get guys they in. Were, they were exploding so offers, into, those things. It was yeah, so strange. To, to expand, what it, banker created that, David? It wasn't Dr. Kafari. No, CVRs have been around for a very long time. No, but that, that particular them for 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. 
but it was a way of giving a potential benefit to shareholders saying, hey, listen, if we hit these if we hit these targets by this certain date, Jim, you are going to have, you know, get another five bucks a share, whatever the number was. Well, not anymore. Stick with the common. Carl. Uh, Well, to your point, guys, UNH is the only negative Dow stock. All sectors are green. Uh, VIX 27. Claims on the Fed are the other big stories today. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Yes, you know, Carl, we had some important data today, initial and continuing claims. We could debate as to, you know, how much good news it really is, but it's still the best level since March. Now, another data point we had today that we didn't cover as deeply as I'd like to very quickly, productivity, third quarter, preliminary at 4.9. If 4.9 was a standalone without last month's 10.6, well, let's go to the charts. It would be the best productivity level since the third quarter of 2009, which means 10.6 on its own was the best quarter since 1971. So as you can see on this chart, we have the two best productivity quarters going back to 2009. And I think that is something to pay attention to. What we learn here is, is that the way we do things differently during the pandemic has some productivity pluses. Maybe we can hang on to those as the wider economy gets post-COVID and opens up in its entirety. Now, as we look at a two-day of tens, wow, intraday perspective, we've had a, what, 23 basis point range, high to low, 94 to 71. If you open the chart up and have a one-month chart of tens, we've definitely lost some of that zing. And when you really consider that I would rather have strong equities, higher interest rates, and a strong dollar, you can see that the move that we're doing really is more politically motivated as the landscape changes from what the landscape was thought to be before the vote, the Senate, all the numbers that we currently have. If you look at what's going on with foreign exchange, the dollar index has definitely lost its vim and vigor. If you look at an 8.30 start for the dollar index, you can see that we're close, close to closing three-month lows. And finally, here's one that isn't aiding in the dollar index, even though it's only a small part of the dollar index, the dollar versus the Chinese yuan. Right now, should it close here, it'd be the worst close since June of 2018. Carl Jim David, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you very much. We'll take a break here. Uh, S&P, say hello to 3,500 once again, first time since October 19th, as we wait for more updates from Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. Don't go. For more than a decade, Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed Internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at comcast.com slash project up. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Trump holds a slight lead in the state of North Carolina. That's with about 95 percent of the total vote having been reported. Scott Cohn is on the ground in the state and he brings us the latest. Scott. Hi, David. If it feels like we've been stuck at that 95 percent figure for a while or the president's lead of about 76,000 votes or one and a half percent, well, it's because we are stuck there and we likely will be 
uh, for some time to come, as you can see. Uh, so if that is still the case, if the presidency has not been decided elsewhere by next week at this time, the 15 electoral votes here become huge. And this is the big variable, 116,200 absentee ballots that are still outstanding have not been returned. That number is going to come down a bit as the, next, as the days go on and as more of those ballots are returned, but they will not be counted for the most part until next week at this time. Regardless of vote differentials, we never stop counting until all eligible votes are counted and added to the final certified and audited results. So where do those absentee ballots come from? Well, they are in the state's biggest counties, including Wake County, where I am. That's Joe Biden country, as you can see, and Mecklenburg County. That is Charlotte. And uh, there, Biden took uh, about two-thirds of the vote. So that, there you can see that's why this race is going to be too close to call uh, for some time to come un until those votes are counted. They are counted at the county level. Each county election board counts them up, and those, those meetings are set. And so they will, not be, uh, they will not go to the state until a week from now. And remember, in North Carolina, they are accepting absentee ballots that arrive as late as next Thursday, the 12th, as long as they are postmarked by Election Day. And, and Carl, this same dynamic applies to the U.S. Senate race in this state, although Tom Tillis, the incumbent, has a little bigger of a lead over his Democratic challenger, Cal Cunningham. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch uh, some of the Senate candidates' performance relative to the top of the tickets. Uh, Scott, another fascinating look at the changing face of the country. Scott Cohn is in North Carolina. We'll take a break here. S&P close to session highs, 35.11. Just to give you a sense, that's about 25 points from the October closing high. Uh, the Dow being led by CAT at the moment, close to another 4% gain. Don't go away. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Carl, a lot of tech companies reported great numbers, and they were either overlooked or because of the election or actually said, you know, that group's done because we want value. There was ridiculous calls to sell growth and, and buy value. Right at the peak of this, of this nonsense, Skyworks Solutions reported. It reported unbelievable numbers, probably the, maybe the best other than Qualcomm. This morning, Corvo reports, and they do a great job. They're, the, the thing that these companies have in common, they are Apple suppliers. Now, remember, Apple's like Fight Club. First rule of Fight Club, can't talk about it. But the idea that Skyworks is not at 158, it's all-time high, with Corvo is bursting out and Qualcomm's bursting out, is ludicrous. And Liam Griffin on the conference call, if anyone bothered to listen to it, I know they're so busy selling growth and going to value, basically told you, look, we can't make enough of our products. How many companies, how many companies can say that? And the answer is about a half dozen. And Skyworks is one of them. Buy Skyworks Solutions, SWKS, Liam Griffin, best in show. So for all of the discussion of growth versus value or value versus growth, you continue to believe it's not zero sum going into this new chapter? Not at all. Not at all. And by the way, all the demand, just the excess demand is from Apple. Remember, people hated Apple. They pronounced it dead again the other day. That guy from Goldman, what, he slashed his cell target. He said it's like a sell, sell, sell. I mean, he wants to go out there and put a for sale sign on Tim Cook's lawn. Forget about it, chief. I'm chief in that guy. Apple's up 10 from when he... When that sunshine gave us a little bright, bright light of hope. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Rod Hall of Goldman. It's, it's been a, he's been stubborn. You got to yeah. give him that. Yeah. Jim. Yeah. He's he um, and Pactor. They ought to get together and make a pact there. 
lose people money. <laughs> I like the guy. I mean, he's personally um, like, like like the president said about Fauci. He's a nice guy, right? He's, how many, David, how many times I'm looking at you? The president always says Fauci's a nice guy before he eviscerates him, right? Yeah. With no due respect, he's a nice guy. Says he's a nice guy after he says that he got it all wrong. Yeah, he right? got it all wrong. Yeah, Just, he's only spent his whole life trying to do the right thing. But that's all right. Easy come, easy go. I like right. Apple. Tonight, you're going to have a bunch to kick around. Uh, EA, Roku, Timo, Win, Square. Uh, Timo, holy hell. Okay, so uh, Vista, we've got Vista tonight, and that is a company that's the largest bullet maker in the country. Um, I like to hunt, so let's not just, we're not going to crucify them. Let's find out what's going on with sales. Uh, and then Rob Lynch, who's done such a remarkable job at Papa John's. And David, that was one of your uh, insurgent uh, buddies, took over Papa John's and turned it around. Yes, it was, Mr. Smith. I'm sorry to bother you. Were you jammed? <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm ready for, getting ready for my Qualcomm no, I'm, interview. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, no, sorry you no, won't be a part uh, of that. Let me take the Qualcomm interview. I'm ready. Yeah, sorry about that. But yeah. Do, I, I think he wants actually me to stay. I bet he does. Qualcomm. But you're too busy. Carl, you you're having a, very fine dinners. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't you have to get over to Laverna dinners. I'm trying to make money for people. Buy Apple. Buy Skyworks. Okay? You count people in Pennsylvania. I'll try to help people make money. <laughs> Jim, we'll see you at 6. Uh, Mad Money, of course, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll take a break here. Dow almost up 500 points. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.